you're always having to look for different things um, because the hackers aren't stopping. They're always improving. And so which means we always have to be improving as well. Welcome to Kelowna Talks, where we explore the why behind the decisions that shape your city. Together, we open the curtain and dig deep into current issues, plans, and policies that come out of City Hall. Thanks for joining us as we talk about Kelowna and the topics that matter to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Bob Evans, Partnerships Director at the City of Kelowna and host of our Kelowna Talks podcast. I acknowledge that our community is located on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Silks, Okanagan people. I think one of the scariest phrases in the English language is, you've been hacked. The thought of someone breaking into my personal network, my phone, my email, whatever it is, is kind of terrifying to me. Not only on a personal level, but we are hearing more about large-scale corporate hacks. Basically, once access to this confidential information has been gained, hackers can steal, destroy, or tamper with that information in whatever way they want. These attacks are known as ransomware attacks and typically involve a hacker gaining access to a company's important data and then locking it so no company um, no longer will have access to that to that data. That would be, freak most people out. Um, and of course, part of that, they a lot of times hold, uh, hold ransom and that's the, where the ransom comes in and demand large amounts of money. Today, we are chatting with Jazz Pabla, our Information Services Director, about cybersecurity and what the city is doing to protect our information, your information. Welcome, Jazz. Thank you. So, uh, Jazz, tell us a little about yourself. We'd like to start these sessions off with uh, a little bit more, uh, not what you do at the city, but what you do um, as Jazz and uh, what brought you to Kelowna, what you do for, for fun outside of City Hall. Yeah. So, I'm born and raised in Kelowna. Um, worked here in the local private sector in the IT world for a while. And then I actually moved to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for seven years and worked for a private worked in the private sector, worked for the city of Saskatoon and the University of Saskatchewan as well. And then a couple of years ago, just before the whole COVID uh, pandemic happened, I had an opportunity to come back home and join the city of Kelowna. And yeah, here I am. And on a, on sort of a personal note, you know, I've got uh, two kids that those always keeps me busy. Got a, pretty big family as well and and you know just always just trying to try to do different things trying to trying to learn as you sort of go along and this is an area where you'll always have to learn to sort of stay on top of it yeah absolutely okay but I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deeper because you you still didn't sound like fun so okay you've got the family that's fun but the idea is so what do you do when you're not thinking about uh cybersecurity IT and you know, what do you do with your kids? Are yeah. you out there biking? What yeah, you, biking, what like doing? a lot of camping. Yeah. Uh, we, we do quite a bit of camping and there's great camping spots, obviously across the interior or anywhere in BC or Western Canada. It's absolutely beautiful. Spending a lot of time with family. My parents own a, an apple orchard, which keeps me pretty busy during the later half of the summer and the fall as well. And, you know, just engaging and, and just trying to get out there. I know with the travel restrictions, it's been kind of tough, but I feel like we're sort of coming to an end on that and just excited to kind of get out there and see the rest of the world. Yeah, excellent. Aren't we all? Okay, so uh, thanks for that. Um, cybersecurity, what does it mean and uh, why is it important to the city? Yeah, cybersecurity, um, there's so many different fronts to it. There is, and which which makes it even more difficult to sort of manage. But for, for us at the city of Kelowna, there's a couple angles. Number one, we have all citizen data that we manage that you would you know interact with at a local government level. 
And so we're constantly doing projects and continuous improvement uh, initiatives just to sort of protect our citizen data and, th you know, the, in the systems that we all use. Uh, ransomware is obviously um, one of those items and, and with cryptocurrency being so prevalent now, it's, it's actually kind of gained a lot of momentum. So you're seeing a lot of government agencies um, being attacked, whether it's, you know, geopolitical reasons or whatever. And then, and then your sort of traditional, um, I would say what people think of hacking is, you know, virtually coming in through that, that opening and then taking control of the network or, you know, stealing information um, and holding it ransom, uh, which is a scary thought. Uh, in the private sector, before I, before I joined the public sector, in the private sector, we would we would see a lot of customers who didn't have the infrastructure in place or didn't have the procedures in place that would get hacked. And it was a scary situation. Yeah, it's been in the, in the news a lot, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it's getting more. And when you're looking at a business owner, you know, across the table and you're explaining the situation to them and they don't have the infrastructure to sort of, you know, didn't have it to protect themselves, didn't have it to sort of come out of it. It's a scary thought to know that my whole business is locked up. And so since that point, just kind of made cybersecurity uh, top of mind, sort of wherever I've gone. All the other stuff is obviously really important as well, but it all means nothing if you can't secure it. Yeah, I've certainly heard of some local businesses that have told me sort of one-on-one, -on -one, they don't want to be public that they've been hacked and held ransom. So it, it, it's here in Kelowna. You don't normally think about a city uh, as a place where there'd be information that a hacker would want. Like, what's what do we have inside our database that a hacker would be interested in? Yeah, and, and it's it's almost the personal information that we that we protect and manage of, of our citizens. That's typically what it is. And then what happens on the other end is just it tarnishes your reputation. And that's what happens in the public sector more than anything. It's it's that trust factor. And, and right now... Uh, you know, trust with government is, seems like all time low and you don't want to just continue to, to sort of feed into that notion. And so you have to do whatever you can to protect citizen data. There's a lot of data that we have of each citizen, which is, which is their own and they have access to whenever they want, but that doesn't mean no one else has, should have access to their data as well. And so what we do is we try to protect it as much as we can. So what are we doing? Like what, uh, you know, obviously dumb it down for me and probably the majority of our listeners, uh, because obviously it, it, this is your profession and you're, you're uh, well-versed in it. But for the average person, can you walk me through, you know, whatever you can share with me? Obviously, we can't share everything, but what, uh, what kind of safeguards are we putting in place as a city to ensure that uh, our data is secure? So there's, there's a few things. There's the, there's the technical component of it, and then there's obviously the non-technical. Let's start with the non-technical on the non-technical side, it's about knowledge management. It's about training our people to look out for certain things. So when you see an email that comes in and it's got an attachment and it's saying your package has arrived, but you've never ordered anything, just to be able to have that awareness to say, okay, this is this doesn't make any sense with how the e like how my day is supposed to go. I probably shouldn't open that email. Or if I see a link and it looks suspicious, it probably should be suspicious. And then for IT to sort of give that the tools in place to sort of validate that stuff. So that's really on, on the on the staff side of things. Just, you know, we, we do those phishing campaigns. You, you've seen those training videos that we I've, all have done. I've seen them. I've been caught. I've learned. Jazz. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that actually helps. So yeah. we've seen click rates drop uh, significantly. And I've seen it in my whole career. And so that definitely does help. On the technology side, and, and this is where our role comes in. And, and we don't, it's nothing that we, we hide. It's just, it's very technical. We have a lot of technical equipment in between where the internet starts and where your computer ends. 
and we have staff there every day that just kind of monitor it um, all the time looking for um, activity that is just kind of an anomaly like why is this happening why should it be happening we're current always investing in tools um, and procedures just to sort of help mitigate that and are we perfect no uh, but we're, we're constantly doing things. And so cybersecurity as a program is a program in continuous improvement. You're always having to look for different things um, because the hackers aren't stopping. They're always improving. And so which means we always have to be improving as well. So you can say I can't answer this question, but have we been hacked as a city? And, and <laughs> I'll give you an out. If you don't want to talk about the city of Kelowna, particularly talk about maybe other municipalities in Canada, that obviously you're in a network of similar people that you're having conversations with. Maybe, you know, podcasts are always interesting. We can, we can give an example. Yeah. So let's go away from maybe Kelowna and go from another municipality's perspective and say, what's the worst case scenario you've heard either in Canada or the U.S. for municipal hacking? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that's already in the news. So it's, it's, it's nothing secret out there. Um, a health region out east, um, they were significantly hacked where patient information and, and records were compromised. And it was a combination of, of a hack and, and a ransomware. And it came from just, uh, you know, the department, um, from what you hear on the news, just, just not staying on top of security patches and updates. So in your world, Bob, you have your windows computer and you always get that message, oh, it's, you know, restart to do updates. So if you continuously just ignore that, you don't do updates. That's exactly what the hackers like. Are you watching me, Jazz? How do you know that I don't <laughs> do my updates? But if you don't do those updates or if Adobe yeah. pops up and says, hey, yeah. you should update. And you're like, right. oh, not right now. Ignore. Yeah, which is probably a normal thing for most people, right? It is. You're but, busy. It's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. But that is exactly what those hackers want, right. right? Because there could be an opening in there and that's all they need. It's very small. These hackers are some of the brightest human beings and the most motivated human beings um, you'll meet. And so it's, it's tough, but the littlest of holes, and that's what happened in the health region. It was just a small little hole. Um, and they slowly made their way in. And it's not, it's not one of those things where you think of it like as a break and enter where you break into a home and then you immediately have to do something and then get out. They'll, they'll go in and they'll just sit there for a year or six months and they'll just watch and observe just to see how people behave, how emails happen. And can I pretend to be somebody, right? And then just, just quickly, quietly ask for something. And, and so they'll sit there and they'll just observe the environment for, for months, for years. Sometimes you hear stories that I've heard a story once where they said um, it was hacked and someone sat in there for 18 months. Didn't do anything, but just observed for 18 months. But if you're going to take two, $3 million worth of data, 18 months is totally worth it. So, okay, you're hearing it here first from Bob. Um, accept your updates on your on your on your platform. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't really think of it that way, right? I, the fact that they're asking for updates so that they can uh, have a more secure connection to their products. You know, IT. There's a balancing act, Bob, of providing good customer experience, good citizen experience, good staff experience, and security. Yeah. And it's not that we wake up every day and think, oh, I cannot wait to push this update down. So Bob has to restart his computer in the middle of his Word document. We wish we didn't have to do this, but that's not our reality that we live in. So what are we doing to protect the data? Are there 
again, I, I know maybe this is a difficult question and we can't share everything, but you know, are there multiple steps? Um, are we storing data offsite? You know, what are the normal, yeah. I guess, protocols around data security? So th there's, there's lots of frameworks out there. Obviously we're not going to go into all the frameworks here, but just to give some confidence and some, maybe even some tips for people that are maybe business owners that are looking out there. Um, so you obviously want to have really good antivirus protection on your computer. You obviously want to have, you know, good infrastructure in place. You'll want to have regular backups every day. And, and that's re really good organizations that are, that have got IT departments that are actively looking to sort of protect themselves. They protect themselves, but they also plan for the worst case scenario as well. And so offsite backup, disaster recovery solutions in the cloud or, you know, out of Kelowna or whatever it sort of it may be, but there's there's about 12 different steps you can take to protect yourself. And having a good backup strategy is is really important. Sure, and number one, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, we had that in our old company. So I, I'm, a, I'm guessing, this may sound super naive, but there's just automatic backups that are happening on our, with our database, oh, our yeah. data at the city yeah. constantly through the day. Multiple staff members. Yeah. That, that constantly are, are monitoring that and in multiple locations. Um, so yeah, we've got a, a, a pretty robust infrastructure there, but I mean, just like any organization that, that thinks they're, you can't sit back and think I'm good to go. Right. That's the worst thing you could do is be like, Oh, you know what? My backups are good. I feel like my staff are doing updates. I'm just going to coast it. And that's exactly what people want. Well, for sure. And, you know, even with all the training that I've had to go through at the city, I thought, oh, man, this is excessive. But when you stop and I'm, you know, sitting here across from you looking eye to eye and, uh, you know, you're not laughing. Your 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 eyes are going, yeah, of course, it's important, Bob. And, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine if if some of the things we do internally, uh, the data was breached and, you know, what that would cause the corporation and, the citizens and staff and council and you know just it it would just would be would have huge uh, ramifications and waves through our whole corporation and it and it makes it more difficult because everybody wants to experience city hall through a digital lens now right and with the pandemic and when we had to sh shut city hall down and you couldn't come in through the doors or you know you're trying to social distance and all these sort of things we had to get as many services online as possible so it's it's a secure online experience and that's only going to grow. Uh, it's important to protect yourself, but not to the point where you're a detriment or you don't provide that experience that citizens want. So there's a balancing act that you have to do. Um, citizens across, well, in Kelowna or wherever, with the pandemic are now so used to skip the dishes or Amazon or ordering food from you know one of the grocery stores and having it delivered. And that convenience factor is real. Citizens also want that convenience factor factor with their local government entity as well. Whereas why should I have to go to city hall to do a building permit? Or why should I have to go to city hall to pay my property taxes? A lot of those stuff are online right now. There's a lot more coming for the city of Yeah, it was, that's a good segue. I was going to ask you, um, we can talk a little bit more about cybersecurity, but for people listening that aren't necessarily inside the city hall, and they're looking for a more seamless user experience with with City Hall, as you're talking, what um, what, are we, what have we been doing and what's coming? What, what's, what can we look forward to? Well, the City of Kelowna should be, and the citizens should be really excited because there's a lot of great stuff coming. Um, uh, and I would comfortably say that we are definitely one of the leaders in Canada in some of this space. So I think we're really investing our time right now 
is that online experience for citizens. And so there's two factors to that. Number one, you should be able to log into the city of Kelowna website and have one login. And then the website should change for you. So you don't have to go looking around for certain things. Your experience comes into the website. So for example, Bob, you log into Amazon on your computer, everything you've ever done, wherever you go, you sort of see yourself wherever you go. So you log into the city of Kelowna website. You have one spot where if you have kids that have swimming lessons, their swimming lessons should be listed, but you also got to pay a utility bill. It's right there. You got a parking ticket. Okay. That's right there. I'm building a swimming pool. Oh, that's right there as well. So I don't have to go foraging around to look for it. How does it know that? I mean, based on my previous sort of search engine stuff or nope. like so, how, we, how does that happen? So your experience at city at the city hall, it's all there in, in our systems. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask you, hey, do you want us to connect the dots? So we're not going to just assume and connect the dots because that wouldn't be proper. We're going to ask you as a citizen, Bob, hey, you've got this account here. You got this account here. Would it be more convenient for you if you just made you made one account behind the scenes? We'll connect the dots for you. So if you log on to the city of Kelowna website, you can actually see everything in one spot. I'll show my tax bill, whatever utility. Okay. And then if all of a sudden, if you're say you're a developer, you know, big developer, small developer, and you log in and you go to the development page, every one of your permits will be listed there and the status of it should be there and all your interactions should be in sort of one spot. So this, that's one element to it. So we're, we're kind of combining that experience into one mm-hmm. and really allowing citizens to have easy experience with us all 24 seven, seven days a week. So you should be able to submit a building permit or a swimming pool permit or whatever permit you want on a Sunday afternoon. Sure. You shouldn't have to come in at between, you know, eight to four on a Monday to Friday. Um, the goal is to get that application process started and let our staff who are experts in that area do the quality control, do the quality assurance, make sure that you have all the stuff right and then kind of get it going behind the scenes for you. But that upfront first experience needs to be online and it has to be online. That's well, what and I think going. we're all getting obviously more comfortable no matter what your age is with online applications yeah. and uh, it just, the, the systems are becoming a little bit more user-friendly and seamless and not as frustrating as they used to be. So, yeah. yeah. So that's one step. Where we're really excited is, so uh, with UBCM, uh, we just won a grant recently, and we were one of the only cities to actually put this grant application forward, is where we're bringing AI and the chatbot to that same experience. So, Bob, you as a citizen, you're at home, and you're looking out your back window, and you realize, hey, you know what? Can I build a carriage home on my property? So just think about that experience right now. You have to go into City Hall, or you have to look up, can I build a carriage home? We're going to take away all that that work for you and sort of say, why don't you go on our chatbot? that's on the city website and say, I live on 123 Gordon Avenue. Um, can I build a carriage home? And the chatbot will look up your land size, look up your zone and give you an answer. And it'll know um, everything that's available to the public. Um, it may not know, uh, depending on the level of privacy, do you already have a secondary suite? So if you already have a secondary suite, it may ask you, hey, do you already have a secondary suite? And you might say no. So all of a sudden check one, lot size big enough. Check two, um, you're in the right zone. Check three, you don't have a secondary suite. It'll give you the answer. Hey, you know what, Bob? Yes, you can build a carriage home. Would you like me to start that application process for you? Right. And then all of a sudden you just start answering questions. The application process starts and then it goes off to our professionals that are sitting behind one window and they just kind of take it from there. So now 
that experience shows up right to your doorstep. You don't even have to leave your house to experience that. Just think about all the, all the things that happen at, with you with respect to local government. You might, you might forget when my garbage pickup time is. You want to report a pothole. You see graffiti on the side of the wall. You shouldn't have to try to figure out, hey, you know, where do I go to submit this? You should be able to fire up Alexa at home and be like, hey, you know, I was on the corner of this and this and I saw some graffiti. Do you want to let the city of Kelowna know? And it should actually complete that service request for you. That's where we're going. And so that digital experience is coming for our citizens. Now, what our job is to give that digital experience, but also secure it to make sure that, you know, bad actors don't come in and try to infiltrate our Well, systems. two things come up. So where are we, or in my mind, or where are we with that process, Jazz, of developing that, that chatbot? Oh, we're developing it as we speak. So when, when are we hoping to roll it out? Um, well, the grant uh, ends at the end of next year. So we've got aggressive timelines. 2023. 2023. But we've got aggressive timelines. So we are kicking things off. We already kicked things off last year. So we're well on our way. So what's happening behind the scenes right now is we've been sort of tracking the, the questions that get asked when people show up to one window to that front counter. And we've been intentful for a year now just, hey, just write down the questions that people are asking. So we already know sort of the common questions that people are asking. Well, now we just put the answers to it and then we actually point the chatbot to the data to look up those answers. And so we're really close to probably putting something out this year as just a viable product just to get things out the door like our COVID chatbot was. Um, and then the online experience, that project's already started as well and bringing in the building permits and things like that. And so we're hoping to have a pilot by the end of this year on that single sort of one sign on and then really go forward in 2023. So it's, it's coming quick. Okay. So one thing you said that, uh, just triggered some questions from that would happen around my dinner table with friends. Do I really want Alexa in my house? Do I want the city of Kelowna in my house? So, you know, there's, there are people that are, that have probably some warranted, some not so warranted concerns when you're having Alexa listening or, you're giving the city of Kelowna data, personal data. Um, help me and my friends, Jazz, feel more comfortable about that. What does that mean, and how? Are, what are we doing to protect personal data? And you know, I like the fact that you said we're not just going to assume you want to have your own page that we will ask you. So you know, make me feel more comfortable, Jazz, about this whole yeah, so privacy I'll, issue. I'll break it down in two ways. Uh, first, number one, with Alexa and Siri, there's a misconception out there, and I just want to kind of get it clear. Uh, if you have Alexa in your house and we give information out to the internet, we don't have access to Alexa. Like the city of Kelowna cannot in any way take information away from Alexa. We give information to Alexa. You as the, the consumer of Alexa, you decide how you want to interact. So there is no, if you put information out there, you know, now all of a sudden we have access to your home. It's just not possible. Um, and I know there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, but Alexa is an Amazon product. So the relationship you have with Alexa is you with Amazon. We're just saying, Hey Alexa, if someone has a question in Kelowna about this, just turn this way, grab the information you need and then give it to them. But there's no way for us to all of a sudden say, Hey, Bob has Alexa. He's just asked a question. Maybe I'll just listen to his conversation. This is absolutely impossible for us to do. Not, not possible. And so there's that part of it. Municipalities, public sector, local government, however you want to look at it, Bob, we have a higher standard when it comes to privacy um, and how we do it with the province. 
So anytime we take um, one piece of data and another piece of data to tell a story, I can't just do that. There's a lot of privacy impact assessments I have to do, opportunity assessments. I have to reach out to the province. I have to reach out to our city's clerk's office. I have to get a lot of sign-off and justification before we do that. So we're super careful before we're just drawing conclusions about our citizen data. So if you have data right now and it, you have property data over here, but you have other data over here that might be your kids' swimming lessons. In our systems right now, those are two separate data points. No one can draw a conclusion on you as an individual. Just not allowed to do that. And, and we're really strict on that in IT. Um, but we don't actually get any questions about doing that as well. Now, saying that, when we transition to this online experience, like I said earlier, we're not going to assume you want to do that. You have to tell us you want that. And if you don't want that, you won't have it. Okay, Jazz, I'm trusting you. Yeah. And everybody listening, trust Jazz. Yes. <laughs> it, it's, it's totally up to you. Whatever your comfort level is, we're okay wherever you want to be. No, I, I think that's, that's, that's a great statement to say it's up to you and whatever your comfort level is. Because, again, there's a whole spectrum of, and variety there of, of comfort levels. So a couple things I wanted to talk to you about that you mentioned. One was the fact that we're doing a lot of leading edge initiatives in our city uh, comparable to other Canadian municipalities. So I want to want you to tell me maybe this it is the jazz bot, but you're the jazz bot, the, the, the bot. Um, the, you know, I'd like to know what that is. And then uh, another question I always like to ask is where is the money coming from? You said we have a grant. Uh, is this going to cost us more as we evolve as a city? I'm hoping that there's also cost savings and there's ways to leverage technology that reduce our overall costs as uh, taxpayers. Yeah. So two questions in there. One, you know, what's that leading edge technology that you mentioned that we're, that we're um, uh, incorporating? And then how do we monetize that? Or you tell me the money side of, uh, of your job. So I'll show you two um kind of tell you two examples of sort of leading at stuff. Number one, uh, we have uh, LIDAR scanners in corners of uh, intersections. So we're able to sort of see behaviors of, of vehicles, cyclists, um, and individuals, but not at a photo level. It's just blue and white and green dots right. on a screen. But what that tells us is, do we have any near misses? Or how fast will people go in? Or how many people ran at a red light? And things like that. So we give that information back to you know, transportation. And, and that's a, it's a very leading edge one. And we're trying to figure out ways to sort of show that information. Mm -hmm. The point of that was the original sort of um, hackathon we had with UBC with that data was creating a solution. So first responders could actually know more about an accident um, before they showed up. Because if you're a firefighter or a paramedic, you're right now just taking feedback from someone who's called in saying this and this happened. But it would be more useful if everybody along the line realized, okay, this car was going 80 kilometers. This one was at a dead stop. There's two cyclists involved. Those are facts. Those aren't people's sort of visual visual understanding of it. So that was one of the projects we did. And we're going to continue to do um, different things with that uh, just to sort of kind of like a living lab experience. One of the other ones we did was we took sensor data all throughout um, the mountains and, and the creeks and, and the lake to understand um, and try to predict flooding. So you have different data points that tell us about snow levels right from the top right to the bottom. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, when you have 20 years of that data, can we not start to use AI and machine learning to predict a flood maybe a couple of weeks before it happens? And so last year we did a project 
this year we're just adding more data points to it as well to help that grow. So that's that's kind of a cool one for us. And that's super relevant if you think about what happened last year in the Merritt area and, and things like that. And I mean, that storm was a few hundred, you know, a hundred kilometers from hitting us. And that could have been Kelowna. That's how real that was. Uh, from the money side of the question, it's a great question. We, we definitely leverage as many grants as possible that come out there, whether it's from the federal or the provincial level. Um, where we're really looking to, to sort of be mindful of the financial situation, because we are financial stewards for, for the citizens here, is really around cost avoidance and efficiencies down the road. So if you're, if you're interacting with City Hall in any City Hall across Canada and you have to sort of walk up to a counter, just think about all the manual sort of people interactions along the way. So if you can automate and find efficiencies, you know, 30, 40% of the way, there's a down, there's a downward effect to that, you know, when you're looking for new employees and stuff down the road, because you're sort of finding efficiencies. So you're really trying to avoid costs as you go down the road. And that's sort of the, the work that IT and, and a few other departments are trying to do is what are those efficiencies? What can we automate? So you don't always have to hire your way out of a situation. You can start using technology in a, in a better way. City of Kelowna, if you look, about, uh, look at it from how many citizens we have to how many staff we have, we're probably one of the most efficient cities in Canada. And we've done a great job of that. And, you know, we're mandate, mandated as well to find more and more efficiencies and use technology to sort of help digitize and streamline that work. And, and that's all this work is. And the citizens also want that. The citizens don't want to have to come to a busy downtown, find parking just to submit an application for something. If you can do it from the comfort of your home, why not? Um, we also want to make it available that, you know, the, the expertise is also readily available. It'll take time to get there, but we've got a lot of confidence that, that this is going to work out. Well, that's great, Jazz, because it, it fits our, um, one of our corporate, uh, call it a mandate, for it to be the city of the future. Yeah. And uh, obviously these are things that are coming whether we like it or not, and uh, I think what I'm hearing from you is that we should like it because it should make all of our interactions with the city more seamless, easier to navigate, and just more more enjoyable. If an interaction with the city can be enjoyable, yeah. Well, and think about it. We're one of the few cities, I think, in Canada that has an airport that's part of the city. Right. That's right. True. And yeah. so the chatbot that I've talked about also exists at the airport side as well. And so if you're a tourist coming through the airport, you're going to have a very good experience um, coming real quick with some of the new technologies that we're introducing at the airport as well as chatbots, just information sharing before you show up. And so you shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily have to be a resident of Kelowna to experience this as well. If you're going to come visit, this information should be readily available for you as well. Well, Jazz, I think we're close to the end of our time. And uh, I always like to ask the question, uh, do we miss anything that you would like to make sure that our listeners uh, hear from you? Yeah. So, uh, just to come up, maybe a couple of things for for our citizens. You know, we are trying to make the experience um, as seamless for citizens as possible. Every day we think about that. We also think about how do we secure that experience as well. And so, it, it's a challenge, and we'll continue to do it. And if any of the IT leaders out there listening as well, don't be afraid to open the envelope and, and try different things, but just be mindful of of your citizen data as well and protect it along the way. And so. Be vigilant. Um, make sure that even you as a citizen at home working on your computer and and things like that, if you if you sort of see something that's suspicious, it probably is suspicious. You know, if you get an email or you get a phone call saying you won the lottery, chances are you didn't win the lottery. 
Yes, but be vigilant and and you know really think twice before clicking that stuff and and you know protect your data, and you can protect your data at home as well. I'm chuckling, but I but it's no laughy matter, and uh, I agree, and that's that's great advice for us to end on. And thank you, Jazz, for your insights on what we're doing with cybersecurity and um, all things uh, data based in the, in the city. So really appreciate your time today, and hey, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kelowna Talks. For more conversations about topics that matter in your community, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating and share Kelowna Talks with your friends and neighbours. If you'd like more information about this podcast and other big community conversations, visit kelowna.ca slash community stories.